0: This weekend we taught a couple things, and we taught a couple things over the last couple months, so I'm going to try to rewind so I can get us to today. Today's message is kind of short, but the rewind may be a little bit longer. Here we go. Friday night we talked about um, three things that it looks like when someone's hungry for God. I don't know about you, but I want to hunger for God. This is something that God loves. Let me rephrase that. Everyone in any re- if you have your cell phones today, would you get out your cell phone? <laughs> This is how we uh, do attendance here. If you're new here, thank you for coming. Text 777 3520, 777 3520. That lets us know you're here. If you don't want us to know, that's all good. Don't text us. But this is how we track um, to remember hey, you know what? You're missing. And uh, we don't want you to be missing. Um, And so if you don't want to be missing in a month from now, then text in and we'll know about it. If you've never texted before, someone will text you back. It'll end up with them asking you a couple questions, you replying. You'll get a couple gifts at the welcome booth after church, and uh, thank you. In any relationship, the objective, you want to be wanted. Does anyone not want to be wanted? Uh, And the Lord wants to be wanted just like you want to be wanted, and there's no one that wants you more than him. What he has done to pursue you, to obtain you, takes a lifetime to explain. And so we want to find a way to get our heart to want him, to love him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. And that's what today's word is about. Okay. Last, um, on Friday, we talked about three things that it looks like when you're hungry for God, because this is what we want to do. I don't know if it's you, but if my life doesn't look like this, I want to rearrange things. We said the first thing was that um, you... Empty your, uh, no, nope, what did we say on Friday night? We said the first thing was um, Friday night. That, uh, that you, man, I am struggling. I'm going to have a cup of coffee. I didn't pray yet. Shannon, <laughs> help. That prayer is going global, man. I don't know if you know it. Someone that's hungry for God wants only to love him. Uh, they they want to empty themselves of everything else that doesn't love God. They want to use every resource in their life to get closer to the Lord. Um, last night, we talked about two people that found a touch from God. And uh, what I want to remind you is in the last series, I said I will say this, in the last series, we talked about the love of God and how it's important for us all to understand that there's nothing that you can do that will make God love you more. There's nothing that you can do that will make God love you more. He loves you, period. You don't have to pray more to make God love you more. You don't have to give to our church to make God love you more. You don't have to show up at church to make God love you more. You don't have to stop whatever disease or problem or addiction you've got in your life to make God love you more. He loves you. You're his child, period. However, when we move things in our life, when we make sacrifices in our life to get closer to someone, it allows there to be more room to enjoy one another. And when you begin to enjoy one another, it grows the relationship, which in turn can create room for more understanding and more love and more appreciation and more value for one another. Does that make sense? So you don't have to do anything to make God love you more today. However, If you make changes in your life, you can cultivate and make it so that way your love for God can be enjoyed far more. Does that make sense? And so if you want to cultivate your hunger for God, welcome, we're going to jump into this today. Does that make sense? Saturday night, we talked about two people that moved in their life to receive a touch from God, and I I wanted to explain then and I want to remind you now. There's nothing when, when Jesus died on the cross for us, he paid it all. We've received full salvation. We have received full healing, we've received, but it doesn't mean that healing isn't a process. It doesn't mean that sanctification isn't a process. It doesn't mean that things isn't processing in our lives. However, we received all of the spiritual gifts when Jesus died on the cross for us, and we received them into our heart. But it doesn't mean that one touch can't change everything and we talked about the woman with the issue of blood and how she loved god she had spent her whole life looking for a cure she pursued christ and with one touch her life was drastically changed she hungered for god in a way that pushed through crowds of people to get after the lord there was another person that received a touch that changed her life and it was jacob Jacob had a lot of problems in his life, a lot of issues in his family, a lot of circumstances in his finances. There was a lot of things going wrong. And he decided that he was going to go after the Lord regardless and put himself in a position where, God, I need you to change my circumstances, and I'm not leaving until you do. And that touch that he received not only changed his identity not only changed his worth and his value and his self-esteem, but it changed the culture of his family for his generation and generation and generations to come. One touch from God can change everything. And many people in life have decided that when they received everything at the cross, that that was more than enough and that's all that they want. And they won't hunger for God. They won't hunger for more. They won't hunger for intimacy. But I've decided that the culture of this church is going, there's many great churches, I'm not saying, but we want to be a people that are not okay and comfortable with just where we are. We want to love him more and we're willing to push through the crowds of people to receive a touch from him so i can be closer to him and love him with all of my heart all of my soul all of my strength and all of my mind i want to love him i want to be used by him and i want to know him does that make sense man um yeah you guys are with me good here we go i'm ready to start this message i'm gonna have a cup of coffee So we have been saying this this last month. It is a theme that is still going to continue today, and I'm excited about it. We give up things we love for things we love more. All the time. We give up things we love for things we love more. You're doing it for work. You love money, so you sacrifice things to obtain money. You sacrifice time with your spouse, time with your kids, because you love having a car. Payment. (laughs) You love having the iPhone X. And you make sacrifices to have those things you love. We give up things we love for things we love more. And when we say we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, it will show by the things that we have let go of to get closer to Him. I can see what He has let go of to get closer to me. Can you see in your life what you're letting go to get closer to him? I'm um, so excited uh, this uh, fast is over. We've, uh, we, I'm so proud of this church. I'll start the sermon in a minute. I'm so proud of our church. We, uh, we went through 21 days of fasting. Today is day 22. We are officially not fasting anymore. Okay. And so, but I've heard some people talk about some really cool things that they gave up and it makes me so proud when people give up Things that they love for things that they want to love more. People that gave up sugar for 21 days. I love brownies. I understand what you went through. This, some people said that they were going to sacrifice one hour of sleep every day. That's a big deal, okay, especially if you've got children. Uh, I, 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 my wife yeah, this week, man, she was starving for God. Um, she, she, went. She, she hates when I say these things. My wife went 19 days without eating food. Um, and uh, I got to take her out for dinner the other day, and while we were there having dinner, uh, had lunch, we, she was having salad, and um, she, she started crying. She said, I don't want to stop. You heard what just came out of her mouth, right? She's starving for God, and she was upset that she felt like she had to eat, but she didn't want to not be receiving all that God was doing in her life, and I love what God is doing in the hearts of the people here. I'm so proud. I love getting around people that inspire me to love God more. Um, and I get to be married to one that's pretty rad at it. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 and ver- through 42. I'm going to talk to you today about a few women that were hungry for God. This is pretty cool. Jesus, help. Amen. Amen. We give up things we love for things we love more. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You're worried and upset about many things. Let me just stop there for a second. There are always things that have to get done. I don't know about you. I'm married to a detail person. I have an ability to trip over dirty diapers, mops, toys, vacuum cleaners, and everything on the way to the refrigerator. I have a gift. I I can miss it all. And uh, some people are not that way. Some people can't rest until everything is done. Some people are tasks, and we just see the stuff that's got to get fixed, that's got to get done, it's got to get done, it's got to get done, it's got to get done. And I just got to tell you today, as a word from the Lord, from Jesus, there's always going to be work that has to get done. Always. And you have to learn the discipline of learning What's more valuable to you, the things or the people? There's always going to be work. It doesn't mean that work's not important. Please, understand, clean your house. It's an important thing to do. I encourage you, do it often. Uh, But we clean the house so we can enjoy the house with the people. We clean the house so we can mess the house with the people we spend it with, right? And So Martha had a problem. She brought this guy over that she really loved, and she wanted to spend time with him. Martha brought this guy over to her house that was kind of significant. He had just raised her brother from the dead. Dude's kind of a big deal. Uh, This guy actually just healed her dad of leprosy. Man, her family got rocked. She's excited. We're making steaks tonight. Jesus is coming over. It's awesome. And she's hustling. I'm doing this for Jesus, man. I'm so excited. Man, Jesus is coming over. Everything's going to be right. We're going to get the tables out. We're going to get our fine china. Whoever has those anymore, right? We're going to get the fine china out tonight. We're doing steak. We're doing j- And everything's going to be perfect. And Jesus comes, and she's still working. She's still working. We said this with our staff a couple weeks ago. When things were broken at, right before service at 9.50, we have to decide they're broken for the service because the people that are in the room are more important than the things that have to get done. There comes a time, it's just the way it is, and it's going to be that way because who we're living life with has to be more valuable than the stuff we have to do. So Jesus then, he looks over at Martha, and he kind of, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, and few things are needed, or, or indeed, only one, Mary. Chosen, what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Um, what Jesus is saying here is that you know he's he's got Mary sitting at his feet. She's so excited; she's getting to spend time with Jesus. Martha is a little frustrated because she wants everything to be right. She can't seem to stop all the stuff. She can't stop all the stuff. You know what I want for you. I want you to be able to hunger for God. And I got to tell you, in 2018, it's difficult to turn your mind off from all the stuff. We are the busiest country in the world. We have more possessions than any country in the world. There is more things pulling at us right now than any country in the world. And it is one of the travesties that we have, social media. You know, on on cameras right now, on any TV show, it is designed that no camera shot on any show you watch is allowed to be there for four seconds without changing the camera angle. Because they, they think that they have to keep your attention by changing things. And this is the way our mind is working. But the most important thing that's happening is always right here in front of you. And it's hard because life is telling you you've got to pay that bill. You've got to text that person. You've got to reach out to them. You've got to, and, you, and we're worried and there's stuff and there's things happening. And then when you're able to take it all off, what we want to do is then we, we just throw ourselves in front of the TV. Yeah. And it's hard to stop the stuff. I, underst- I identify with Martha. I got a lot. I got two jobs and I'm never done. I got two, I got, three, I got three kids, turns out. I got three kids. Uh, and that's actually not a new thing. Uh, there's a lot of things that's happening, and, uh, but you got to remember that the person in front of you, the reason why we're doing all the worrying is because of the person that's coming. And so... Um, man, it's hard to stay hungry for God. So the person that she's trying to do this thing for is sitting there and she's not enjoying any of it because and what happens then is the worst. What what the enemy does to Martha is he turns the blame game on. Rather than her just working harder or being excited now about Jesus, she turns to frustration in the reality that I could be doing this better if she wasn't such a jerk. You ever do this in your mind? Anyone who has a sibling has done this before, okay? Let me just tell you. We've complicated it that it's someone else's fault, that you're not as good at your job because you work with the loser bonehead over here that doesn't do their job, and so now you get twice the slack. It's just life. And Jesus says, hey, look, um, what's more important kind of really isn't even what you're worried about at all. If you want to stay hungry for God, you're going to have to think about what's the bigger picture than what's got you weighed down right now. What is the bigger picture? What is it that you want? What do you want? Is it finances? Then stop worrying about your coworkers. Do you want your marriage to work? Then stop thinking about what they're not doing right and start figuring out what can I do better. What is it that you want? Do you want more of the Lord? The good news is, you can have more. You've just got to make the time available to clear the table and sit with the guy that's right there. And let me tell you why I think this story is so significant. Because it lets you in on the heart of the Lord. In any other scenario, if there was any other king, he would be most frustrated that the room was not prepared for him to walk in there and sit there. If there was any other, other, other master or many, any other lord, he would want everything perfect when he walked in the room so he had nothing to do but sit and enjoy whatever he wanted. He would have been annoyed by the person sitting there at his feet looking at him, like a dog, like, what are you doing? This is, this is awkward. You need to get up and do something else. I can't have this right now. But what's in our master's heart was nothing other than wanting to spend time with you. What he wants is not stuff. He doesn't need us to fix anything or get anything else right. What he wants is to be alone with you. You don't have to be good at prayer. He just wants you there. And what he's celebrating, what he's honoring, what he's most excited about in this passage. This girl is getting to spend time with me and you're, you're worried about what? all I want right now is to be with you Martha all I want is to be with Mary right now here's the reality what I've learned about when people come over if things ain't right whatever needs to be right if it bothers everyone, we'll get up and fix it if dinner ain't done and we're all hanging out it's because we all wanted to hang out and when everyone gets hungry guess what everyone will do? everyone will get up and contribute You know. Or Jesus would just turn some magical fish up out of the table, right? I got the problem solved. Let's go. So what's weird is Luke tells the story this way, that Martha was there uh, at Lazarus' father's house, and, uh, who had just healed of leprosy. That's the way Luke tells the story. Matthew uh, lets us know that the father who had just gotten healed of, of leprosy uh, it's pretty. it's pretty neat the way everyone tells the story. The John actually tells this story completely different than anyone else. Um, and it's pretty neat. Mary, uh, Martha was doing great things for God. Details are important. I want to make sure you know that. But they can get in the way of what's the bigger picture. Mary got it figured out. And Jesus praised her for it. There's another girl. It may be an entirely different situation, but I think, based on what John chapter 12 says, is that the way it was told was, it came out this way. Yeah, so Matthew 26 is going to say it, and John will kind of bring it together. It's kind of weird. I didn't even know that this happened this way, but there's a th- I'm going to use reference to a third girl, just in case it's not the same woman, but I think it is. Read John later if you want to study this and get into it. Or prove me wrong. I'm okay with that. But Matthew chapter 26 would say it this way. When Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leopard, a woman came to him with an alabaster flask of costly fragrant oil. She poured it on his head as he sat at the table. But when his disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why waste this? For the fragrance oil may have been sold for much and given to the poor. When Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, Why are you troubled with this woman? For she has done a good work for me. Why are you guys bothered with what this girl just did? She's doing something good. For you'll have the poor with you always, but you won't always have me. For in pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. Assure I say to you that wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done uh, will also be told of her as a memorial. So, the Gospel of John, chapter 12, would tell this same story, um, and it would say that it was at Mary's dad's house, and Mary and Martha were there, Martha and Lazarus were there. What I love about this story is um, when Luke told his version of Mary and Martha and Jesus coming over to his house, Luke wanted you to know the only thing that Jesus wanted you to do was just spend time with him, and he was honored enough. Does that make sense? Luke wanted it to be really important to know that when he wrote the gospel, he didn't need you to do anything else other than know that Jesus just wants to spend time with you. And that is good enough to be honored. Are you with me? Now, when John writes it, he includes this story about this woman that's in the room. They don't give her a name in this, but they include that she did something kind of significant in the same scenario. And uh, Matthew writes the same scenario that this other woman that came in did do something significant. Now, I have to wipe the table clean for just a second to say this. All I want to do in my life is anything that honors the Father. All I want to do in my life is anything that He loves. I want to get better at loving Him more. Honest to God, maybe I have a secret motive in this, but He makes me a better human being. He makes me a better husband, a better father, a better friend, a better sibling. When I love him, other people enjoy me more. Does that make sense? What Jesus loves in this story is that this woman came and she gave this costly perfume and she poured it on his head. I think of this as a really awkward moment. I think of this as weird and strange. I would not like this, especially during dinner. Um, I, you know, that's just weird. I want to eat. Let's not do this now. Uh, but he's doing it in front of others, and so, regardless, this got to be a little bit awkward, right? I mean, the guy—he's the guest. He's sitting at the table. He's enjoying people, and here she is. Pouring, and then there's you know the other stories that would say the same woman knelt down and she cried on his feet and she wept over him and she loved him. She was so grateful for the things that he had done in her life that she cried on his feet and dried the tears with her hair. She was just in like so appreciative of this man had done such great things for her. What a wonderful scenario that Jesus would go on to say this about her. Anywhere that the gospel is preached, you're going to hear about this person. Anywhere that the gospel's preached, we want to talk about this person because she's got it right. Now, there's nothing you can do that can make God love you more. But there are things that God enjoys that you do. There is nothing you can do that can make God love you more, but there are things that you do that He hates. But there's nothing you can do that can make Him love you more. But He can't enjoy you more when you do certain things. My wife is committed to me for all eternity. She's stuck with me. There's things that I do that she hates. Pick my nose in her brand new car. I'm a nose picker. I do it. (laughs) It wasn't part of the message. That was a free nugget for you. There are things that I can do in my life, however, that my wife enjoys, and it makes our relationship easier to have. All I want as your pastor is to open up doors that makes it easier for you to have intimacy with your creator. And here's what Mary did at a table with Jesus, alone with a whole bunch of people. Is, the scripture says that the alabaster flask in the Gospel of John says that it was worth 300 denarii. Which 300 denarii, uh, if it breaks down, a denarii was equal to one day's labor. I'm not breaking this up. Just about every theological book and concordance that I could come up with would explain this to you. I am not exaggerating. One denary, the Gospel of John, is worth 300... No. The alabaster flask is worth 300 denaries. One denary is worth one day's labor. This lady took a year's worth of income and dumped it on Jesus' head. Now, I thought to myself, why would perfume cost a year's worth of salary? Who would buy that, right? Um... I remember one time, uh, Shannon, you were with us. Remember when we went to Bulgaria, right? We went to Bulgaria years ago, and I don't know if you've ever been there, but th- this country, um, they have some different habits. It's whatever. It's good. But women in that culture um, don't shave their armpits. It's all right. It's good. You know, it's, it's the way they do things. I encourage these kind of things, but, you know, it's good. Um, when in Rome, right, no one in the country uses deodorant. And their subways are straight slam packed. I'm talking like packed, like you're next to your friend on the subway and you've got to hold on to bars. And it was so uncomfortable. Why would someone spend a year's worth of salary? Because body odor was a real thing. It was real. And we can cover that up. What's it going to cost me, Jack, to make me not like everyone else in this room? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, It makes sense to me. Uh, And so anyways, um, she took a year's worth of her income and poured it out on Jesus. I don't know what you're doing with your finances. It's not about your money. I don't know what you're doing with your giftings or your talent. But I know that this woman said, Whatever my life is worth, it's worth nothing if it isn't all his. This guy did everything for me, and I got, he's got to know everything I do. Now, I believe that it's massively critical. Some of you guys are praying for financial breakthrough. You need to know your breakthrough, your seed, is your harvest. So if you want need a financial breakthrough, you have going to have to learn how to sow a seed. That is a spiritual principle. It's not my principle. It's a spiritual principle. You don't even have to try it here. Try it anywhere else. Try it at Taco Bell this afternoon. It works. But this lady brought everything that she had and the most valuable things and she poured it out on Jesus. And Jesus said that to the end, everywhere that the gospel is preached, we'll talk about how great this woman was. What in our life are we pouring out on him? When we came in to meet with him today, what did you bring with you? Where are you serving? Where are you giving? What are you pouring out on Christ? There's nothing you can do that can make God love you more. All he wants is for you to sit with him. However, the story of the same woman talked about, hey, she's a little bit greater when she pours everything out on me because I've poured everything out on her. This is how we're going to close this service today. Debbie, are you still here? Um, I'm going to ask Deb to come back. We're going to close with a a bit of worship and... um, Well, all I'm asking today, oh, I have two more verses for you. Two more verses. Deb, would you come? It'd be good. We give up things we love for things we love more. I want to read two verses for you that I thought was pretty cool. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. I kind of said this last week, but it has radiated with me so much this week that I felt like you needed to know it. In understanding God's love for his people, listen to this, therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. Let me stop there. This is the the part I want you to hear. Since he always lives to make intercession for them. God lives to make intercession for us. He lives to make intercession for us. What does intercession mean? It means that someone that's willing to intervene in our life. God lives to intervene in our circumstances. What that means to me is that he wants to be involved in everything that I'm doing. I love that because some of us have situations right now where we need him to intervene. And I, you need to know the principle of who he is and what he cares about. His word says that he lives to intervene in your life. So when, if you get rear-ended today, somehow he's involved in that. I don't understand it yet, but he wants to be involved in everything in our life. And I'm going to read this last verse to you, and we're going to go into a time of worship. And here we go. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly all that we can ask or think, according to the power that works in us. To him be the glory in the church to all generations forever and ever. I felt like that verse is important because I want you to know that there is anything you bring to him. Even if today you bring nothing, but you want to know him, He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think forever and ever in your life and in your family's life according to what I read in that verse throughout all generations. He can do exceedingly abundantly more than anyone that we can even imagine. God wants to move in our life. He lives to make intercession in our life. I believe that today, right here, right now, he wants to move in our life. I believe that what God wants to do is create an appetite in us, that we want him more than we want anything else in this world. And in that, he is going to jump and intervene in that circumstance and in everything else that we're doing. There's nothing we can do that can make him love us more. All he wants is all of us. And when all of us is cast on him, man, he's got free reign in everything in your life. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads with me? All I want is everything you have for me God. All I want is everything you have for me God. All I want is everything you have for me. All I want is to hunger for you more. All I want is to pour my life out on you. All I want is to love you more. I want to love you more than the woman in this scripture. I want to love you more than Mary sitting at your feet. I want to love you more than Martha working for you All I want is to love you more. All I want is to love you more. All I want is the hunger for you. All I want is to know you. All I want is to be like you. All I want is to be close to you. All I want is to be close to you. All I want is to be near you. I want more, and more of you, and more of you, and more of you. And I know that you died so I can have it. But you're the most fascinating thing on this earth. People are drinking themselves numb trying to find you and all you want is for us to let go and draw near here in this room right now i believe that it is your desire for your people and i want you to know god i want to love you back give me a heart that wants to know you give me a heart that's willing to let go of everything in my life give me a heart like my wife's that says i i don't want to eat because i want to be closer to god I don't want anything else if it isn't to bring me closer to Jesus. Change this church, God. Change our DNA. Change our heart. Change our pulse. Make us. Teach us how to love what you love. Teach us how to enjoy what you enjoy. What good is it if we if we're rich and famous and everyone likes our posts on the on the internet? We're not close to you. All we want is you. And all you want is us. You live to intercede right here, right now. I've asked Deb to sing two songs. And all I'm asking you to do for the next 10 minutes is to focus on one thing. Your hunger for him. Ask God to show you any room that you can create for him. If you want to stand, you can stand. If you want to come down the altar, you can come down the altar. We want a church that wants to hunger for him. I love you guys.